You're listening to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm excited to share something different with you today. You're going to hear me being interviewed by Tom Birkinshaw. Tom is the head of marketing at Recruitment Entrepreneur. They're the world's leading private equity firm for recruitment startups and scale-ups. Recently, I was invited to be a guest on the Recruitment Entrepreneur Podcast, so I went down to London to record in person, which was a lot of fun. And in this 30-minute conversation, you'll hear how I got started in recruitment, why I transitioned from recruiting into coaching, and how I've grown a successful podcast. You'll also learn how recruiters and recruitment business owners can leverage content marketing to build their brand, attract more of your ideal clients, and be treated as a trusted advisor. To kick off the interview, here's Tom Birkenshaw. Mark, thank you very much for joining me on the Recruitment Entrepreneur Podcast. It's great to have you here today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It feels quite strange to be on this side of the interview. I oh, know, absolutely. Podcaster, recruitment trainer, so recruitmentcoach.com, um, and resilient recruiter, well-known podcaster. How many podcasts have you done so far? I think we're up to 160. Wow. Outside. I, I can't remember. I've lost count now. I lost count. A lot of people you've spoken to. So how many times have you been on the other side of the mic? A few now. Only a couple, yeah. Right, okay. So roll reverse. And don't tell me how well or badly I did by the end of it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. So starting with the podcast then, obviously kind of working backwards in your career, obviously it's kind of not the latest part of your career, it's part of what you do. How did you get into podcasting and, and why? Why did you decide to go down the route with podcasts? Okay, great question. So it's actually something I've always done just without recording. So uh, for the last 21 years, I have had just fascinating conversations with really successful recruiters and recruitment business owners around the world. Some of them were clients, some of them were friends, some were mentors of mine. And, you know, I thought we should be recording this. This is gold. And, and then it would benefit, you know, more people. Um, so it just seemed like a very natural thing to do. So we launched the podcast in December 2019. Um, but actually, I had the idea about three or four years previously. But um, and my biggest regret is not starting sooner. Yeah. Um, but I just the whole idea, even though I wanted to do it, I was intimidated and sort of overwhelmed just because there's, you know, there's so many moving parts that I kind of didn't know where to start. Um, but it, had, it was something I wanted to do for a long time. I think looking at podcasts, obviously, they've now been out and around for a while. Um, do you think, from a business point of view, originally when podcasts came out, it was storytelling and things like that. There, it was very limited on kind of the mentorship, you know, the phrase being thrown out, obviously, thought leadership and being that thought leader in your industry. Do you reckon there's a mind, you know, mentality shift of actually it's okay to share? You know, you're not giving away kind of any secret source about, you know, going back in 2015, do you think people are a bit more reluctant on that? And actually now it's kind of like, well, everyone's kind of trying to help each other out here and you're not giving away everything apart of your business, but that full leadership piece is a bit more acceptable to do. A hundred percent. Yeah. It is easier and easier to get people to agree to come on a podcast because first of all, they, most people understand the concept and hopefully may have listened to podcasts themselves. Um, and people are much more aware of the importance of building your personal brand these days and the potential benefits to them of coming on a podcast. So yeah, definitely. 
jumping right back to the start, how did you end up in recruitment? Okay, great question. So I moved over to the UK in, when I was 23, and um, I followed. A, I, I met a Scottish girl who is now <laughs> my wife, uh, but actually I had dual citizenship because my dad's from London. Oh, okay. So came over to the UK, knew I wanted to work in sales, but didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, interviewed for lots of jobs and ended up speaking to a few recruiters thinking, I could do that. That looks dead easy. <laughs> of course, uh, it's much harder than the reality, <laughs> right? On the outside. So got into recruiting and um, actually found it really difficult. I was not a natural at it. Um, I, but what I was was super driven. I was so hungry, Tom. Like I would smash through walls to be <laughs> successful. And, um, but so I was working incredibly hard. And, but the results that I was generating just um, didn't match up with how yep. much effort I was putting in. So I was about halfway down the leaderboard. At this stage, working for a firm, there was maybe 180, 200 uh, recruiters. And I was kind of middle of the pack and I did not like that at all. And I wanted to move up. So I ended up um, hiring my own coach. And it was kind of a secret. I didn't know how my, my company would react. So I paid for it myself. And I hired this uh, amazing guy called Ravi Tangri. And uh, he helped me double my billings in 90 days. Wow. And that was just such a transformative experience. I, I became the top producer on my team out of nine people. I got to the, I was never one of the biggest billers in the company, but I was in the top 15% out of 200 people. And uh, that kind of planted the seed for me to think, you know, wow, maybe someday I could help other people to improve the results and, you know, find this job more fun and more fulfilling. Did your company ever think, what the hell's going on here? Ninety <laughs> days ago, he was sitting in the middle of the leaderboard and now he's in the top quarter. Yeah, but maybe they did, I don't know. <laughs> so you felt then, obviously, that success that you were producing replicated, obviously, the effort that you were putting in at that point. How long did you stay at that company for? Um, I was there three years in total, and I'd been a couple of years with another recruiting firm before that. So... Um, and at that, that point I realized like, I liked recruiting. I was good at it. I wasn't fantastic at it, to be honest, Tom, I was yeah. good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I felt my true calling was actually learning and development. Yeah. Um, and decided to combine those two things and, you know, get into the learning and development side, but stay, you know, focused on the recruiting industry. So mid to late twenties, then you, you did your three, four years at the recruitment company. And yeah. then, so did you set up on your own? Um, is that where the recruit recruitment coach came from? Yeah, exactly. Was so it? that was two thousand one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so twenty twenty one came here for twenty two years ago. Was that quite? I mean, you know, if I look back on my career, if I, I was that age with only kind of three or four years experience. You must well, have had five, five years experience. Five years experience. experience. Yeah. Was there you know a bit of imposter syndrome? Oh, totally. You were going to go and train and teach people. Yes. You know, to your own self admission, like you weren't you know the number one builder, but you just knew how it worked. Was that quite a scary point in time? It was, but I, I kind of always wanted to work for myself. And um, so it was 100%, like starting a business is scary and taking yeah. that plunge. Uh, but it's so exciting at the same time that you kind of like, it's a combination of fear and, and excitement. Um, I also think I was naive. I, I was full of the arrogance of youth and yeah. <laughs> not realizing how much I didn't know. Yeah. And actually, that was quite eye-opening because going out, you know, there were certain things I was really good at. I was good at selling retained search. And so that was one of my first workshops was the sequence of selling retained search. And I was helping contingency recruiters to get paid up front, which yes. 
Uh, and I was also good at business development. So there was a couple of things that I felt confident in, you know, um, in, in training others to do. But when I got out into the big wide world, I realized I knew nothing. Like my recruitment knowledge was insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And so what's been super interesting for me in the last 21 years is now I've worked with over 10,000 recruiters in 34 countries and some of the biggest builders on the planet, some of the most successful recruiting firm owners um, in the world. And the beautiful thing is, although people are hiring me to coach them, the reality is I'm learning from them at the same time. And so every single person that I work with, I'm learning a ton as well. So this has just given me a, such a privilege to like distill the best strategies, techniques, tactics, habits, mindsets of some of the most successful people in, in the business. I guess it's kind of ignorance is bliss in the mid-20s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, great age to start a business, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. At that stage, I had no kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 risk was low. was relatively Definitely. low. And um, yeah. Uh, and and I, 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 you know, grinding away for the first few years, cold calling, networking, you know, working to get referrals. And then the 2008 recession hit. Yeah. And that was a massive blow like i built up this nice six-figure training and coaching business um and that was such a setback i lost like 50 percent of my revenue overnight and by that stage i had two kids already and one more on the way yeah. um and that's when i had to really dig deep and and go back to the drawing board in terms of learning you know and that's really when i started focusing on digital marketing yeah and content marketing which has ultimately led to this podcast but so you know, that the last maybe well, what, 15 years, I've really focused on inbound marketing, digital marketing, branding, and, um, and that has revolutionized my business and, and, and really turned things around for me. Yeah. And then over time, people started asking for my help with those things. I think I've said, you know, 10,000 people, which is obviously an incredible statistic. I think phrase that we use quite often here is, you know, there's no monopoly on wisdom. Myself and, you know, everybody else, is, there's a lot to be learned from, from other people. Definitely. Then obviously 2008 passed, you got through the recession, you continued on doing what you enjoyed and loved doing, you built up your business successfully. Obviously we're a business that, you know, backs entrepreneurs. Would you say that you would call yourself an entrepreneur? You know, looking back, would you say you had those qualities of what people class as an entrepreneur these days? Would you say that about yourself? I, I, okay. Latterly, yes, but actually, uh, in the early days, no. There's a big difference between being self-employed and being a true entrepreneur. Yeah. And I didn't understand that at first because um, I like to call myself an entrepreneur, yeah. and I thought of myself as an entrepreneur. But looking back, as a one-man band solo, you know, uh, solo professional, then it's really more like having a job. You do everything yourself. You know, uh, you do the sales, you do the delivery, the marketing, your tax return, your VAT return, your, you know, everything is on your shoulders. Yeah. And to me, being an entrepreneur is more about building something and that involves other people and is a bit bigger in scope and yeah. in impact. And um, I've really come into my own, Tom, in the last three or four years of this journey and started to build a team myself and be yeah. able to reach and impact more people. And so that kind of is in conjunction when you started the podcast. Yeah, there's a few things that have lined up. Um, one is getting the right business model. Yep. 
Second is starting to build a team. So I hired a fantastic right-hand person, Leanne Jones-Hunt. Um, and what two people, it's like one plus one equals three, like mm. just a massive difference, which I didn't really appreciate how much of a difference that would make having the right people on board. Plus we have two team members in the Philippines and we are going to be hiring more people this year, plus the podcast, which has just amplified everything. So really now I would, I would say then you do have all the traits of an entrepreneur. You're, you're now scaling your business. Yeah, I'm scaling now. I, I feel like now that I'm, fi- I'm, I'm coming for 50, I'm going to be 50 in a couple of months. So I'm a late, I'm like a late bloomer, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so going back to then the podcast, remember who, the, who your first um, person you interviewed was? Yeah, of course. The first person was Greg Savage. Yeah. And um, I went for him intentionally because I wanted to get a big name, uh, someone who had a following themselves. And, um, you know, a lot of people... and. A lot of people, when they start a podcast, they start with their own network, people they already know, which I understand and it makes sense because um, it's a way of warming up and getting you know comfortable yeah. before you kind of start interviewing complete strangers. But And fortunately, I did already know Greg, um, but I am kind of out of the mindset, like aim big because mm-hmm. uh, you want to really have, a, uh, you know, if you want to launch your podcast um, and get momentum quickly, then you want to interview people who them, ideally themselves have a following of the exact people that you want to reach. So you've obviously, you've done 160 episodes now, yep. I think over three years. Yeah. All the lists obviously on your website. Is there anybody that you've, you know, obviously Greg Savage being one of them, is there anybody you've been trying to get that you've not not had yet? Um, so honestly, the, the interviewing James twice was a, like a dream come true. Like, yeah. I, I, the funny thing is I set a goal of interviewing James like maybe 10 or so years ago, even before I had a podcast, it was something I wanted to. I think that was when James Khan started up recruiting entrepreneurs 10 years ago, 19 years Was it? Okay. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, it was when I read um, his book mm. and I was like, someday I'm going to interview James. Uh, and I had no idea how that was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know anyone who knew him or anything like yeah. that. But uh, so I, at this stage, it's not that everyone says yes, but yeah. I, the majority of people who I approach do. I'll tell you one, maybe you guys can help me with an introduction here is I would love to interview Rosaline Blair. And um, I have not been, I've tried email, LinkedIn, a few yeah. things, they're bouncing back to me. So obviously, <laughs> um, persistence so, is key. Yeah, I'm sure. See what we can do. <laughs> Thank you. So you mentioned after 2008, you focus on digital marketing, kind of looking at your business model. Yeah. How's, I mean, how's, how have you found that change for yourself from when you first started doing that? It's massive. Like, um, you know, the, the, I've tried so many things, Tom, and a lot of them didn't work. Some of them did like worked okay. Some of them worked well. Um, but by far the podcast has been the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, in terms of you know the impact on my business from a marketing point of view, but have you found then going back to the point that it's just you know even from from what I do on a day to day business when you look at all these new sales tools, these marketing tools, the silver bullets that everyone's promising you, yeah. you know, how have you found keeping up with the, the transformation and even kind of looking in, into this year when you know there's a lot of AI chat Q4 last year particularly yeah um, with Microsoft uh, Open AI things mm-hmm. on that. Does that play a role going forward, do you think, for yourself? Yeah, definitely. Like, you can't rely on just one thing. You have to have multiple uh, marketing strategies that you're deploying at any one time because there's a kind of 
um, compound effect of you know combining different uh, tools and strategies, um, and you have to experiment to figure out what what's going to work for you. And and we have fifty members now in our coaching program, and everyone's really like keen on automation and different technology and stuff like that. So we have a really good understanding of what's out there and what's working for people. But um, an automation is great and it has its place in terms of being able to scale up your outreach and to save time with business processes. But what what you achieve through a podcast or other types of uh, marketing like this is more of a human connection, yeah. which you can't really get through other mediums. It's very intimate and uh, people are spending time with you, which is just so powerful. Like I can't think of any other medium where you can achieve that. So although it's kind of beating yourself up a little bit, 160 episodes is, is no mean feat. There's a lot of pre-work that goes into podcasts, a lot of research, strategy, equipment, and actually the hardest of all some of the times is actually getting the person to your point earlier. What do you think sets your podcast success apart from others? So the key to having a successful podcast is just simply to keep, keep working at it, uh, and not to, not to give up. Um, the only way you can really fail is if you, A, never get started yeah. or B, you start, but then it just tails off and you get busy and distracted with other things. And you don't, you know, you don't keep it up. So consistency being key in this point. Like that, if I attribute, if there's anything that I attribute my success to, it's just simply like, keep going at it. And, you know, you make all the mistakes and you figure it out, you improve as you go along. And eventually you just get more and more momentum. That is the beauty. This thing has such a long tail. And that is the beauty of it is it is like a snowball effect because you get subscribers and then that builds. And then like I, my favorite graph, Tom, is I log into Libsyn, which is the podcast host platform that we, we use to, to um, uh, syndicate the podcast. And the graph of the number of downloads over time, I think we've had something like 160,000 downloads at this point. I'm, I've got my sites on a million downloads, I think, which blows my mind. But, you know, when you see that graph and it just keeps, it's like, keeps growing over time but of course that can only happen if you keep working at it to your point earlier you know deploying different marketing strategies consistently putting the time and effort i think obviously you, you described it with your business you're doing the tax returns your hr you're doing the actual job you're meant to be doing what would your advice be to you know say recruitment companies that are listening to this and they're sitting there going how can we be different i think you know there's eighty thousand recruitment companies registered in the uk i think in 2022 and so it's a really saturated market and to be a, the good ones are exceptionally good and do exceptionally well if they're sitting there going we're so busy what value what would you what would your advice be to them if they were thinking about you know whether it's podcasts or anything else going you know investing some time into it is, is there value for them to start doing this or looking at this sort of medium absolutely and it doesn't necessarily have to be a podcast although that is my personal um preference but we call this the expert interview strategy and so it could be a podcast, it could be a video, like a more shorter video interview, it could be even a, a written interview. But the beauty of this strategy is that it's sort of a business development uh, strategy combined with an inbound marketing strategy. Let me explain what I mean by that. So imagine that 
you know, we all know how difficult it can be to um, acquire new clients, to get people's attention, to get them to even talk to you in the first place, much less to do business with you. So this is kind of a a magic way of getting in the door and building a relationship with someone is stop trying to, I don't mean stop trying to pitch your business. Of course, we want to do business, yeah. but instead of prioritizing, you know, getting jobs on or getting, you know, meetings to, to pitch your business, then inviting someone to be a guest on your podcast, for example, is a really disarming way of entering into a relationship with someone. And it, you know, it is very different to what other recruiters are trying, you know, they'll be getting approached by recruiters all the time, but you're not asking for their business. You're inviting them to be a guest on your show, which is a platform for them to get free PR, to attract talent to their company, to attract investors or other types of opportunities, build their personal brand. And so it's you're, you're inducing the law of reciprocity here and you're building a relationship first, which then could lead down the road to them doing business with you. So if you're strategic about who you invite to be on your show, you can end up winning some of those people as clients. At the same time, you're generating very high quality industry specific content that is going to appeal to your niche market. And best of all, and uh, the barrier to doing content marketing, a lot of recruiters share with me is they're like, Mark, I don't feel like I'm an expert. I'm like, what, what do I have to say that my audience is going to be interested in? Which actually I think isn't true. Like, you do have more knowledge and expertise and insight than you may give yourself credit for. But this is a kind of way where you're not, you know, like your guest is in the hot seat. They're the one who's delivering the, the content, so to speak. Yeah. And so it's a way of you delivering valuable content and insight to your audience, but, um, leveraging other people's knowledge. But the beauty of it is that their credibility and authority rubs off on you. Mm-hmm. So as the host or the or the facilitator, the one who's producing this content, you are seen to be rubbing shoulders with all these like impressive and well-known individuals in your market, which then confers a sort of authority by association on you. And then eventually you become famous or semi-famous in your industry as well. I think that's a really, really interesting point. I mean, you look at all the guests that you've had, and obviously, you know, you had recruit, you've got recruitment coach, yeah. you know, and I think a point you made was, it, you are a lot more knowledgeable than you think, and I think you know we see that all the time. We we invest with people in all ages and and all experiences, and actually, when you start talking to people, I think the main thing that we that I found personally is a lot of people have the same problems or issues, different markets, different sectors, different um, industries. But at the same time, there are a lot of problems or issues that are honest that are identical. So kind of going back to like our really earlier point of that thought leadership, you're creating that content, you're creating that thought leadership. And there's actually a lot of people that will sit there going, oh, I could do something completely different, but I completely get what you're saying. How have you handled that? And actually, You've just had your opinion. You may have done it your way. You may have followed somebody else's given your advice. Is then you become that thought leader, and then obviously you know the host. If I look at the people that I've interviewed, James Khan, CFOs, CEOs of multi-million pound businesses, I've learned a ridiculous amount. Oh, absolutely. In a short period of time, and you do become you know it's a bit like being a sponge. You know, there's not a lot of 
not to put like the job down, but it's not a lot of skill from my part. We, we obviously preempt the questions, what we want to talk about the topic, but that knowledge is on the other side and I'm sitting there listening to it going, wow, that's really incredible. And I come away super knowledgeable afterwards. Yes, absolutely. I, I would do this even if there was no commercial benefit, Tom, because <laughs> I just love learning from other smart people. And uh, yeah, so it, there's a huge benefit, even just from a, my own learning and development or you know, whoever chooses to, um, to pursue this strategy. So with the podcast then, obviously, the good thing is you've done recruitment. You, know, you went off off your own back and got a, a mentor and a, a coach to learn from that, which then drove you down the career path that you went on. The podcast is, is is off the back of that. You, your content obviously was kind of not pre-written, obviously, but you know a lot of people who go into podcasts have to think about what they're doing, things like that. I guess from an L and D perspective, how much value then do you put in that? When you've worked with clients, you know over ten thousand in over thirty-four countries, what value have you seen off the back of the recruitment coach in the L and D sector? You know, really pushing and scaling businesses. I mean, as you would expect, I'm a massive believer in learning development, which is kind of why I went into it, because I always loved learning and growing and improving. And um, so there's two two perspectives of this. One is we've attracted some incredibly big billers to our program. And now these are people who don't really need training. It's not like they have deficient major deficiencies that they're trying to solve, but what you tend to find is the people who are at the top of their game are of the mindset that they constantly are investing in themselves and they're looking to improve. They're never satisfied. They always want, because things don't stay static, right? The industry yeah. changes and they are in pursuit of excellence and they they just love you know learning and, and they're, they're students of the game. And this becomes even more important if you want to scale and grow a company. Um, you know, the impact of L&D really can't be understated in the sense that what I think a lot of owners don't realize if they want to scale is that if you're a recruiter or even a solo, um, you know, solo recruiter, solo uh, producer, then it's all about production, making placements. But if you are going to become an entrepreneur and grow a business, your job is no longer producing your job is hiring and training and developing recruiters yeah that is really what a, a business a recruitment business does is hire great people train them develop them and retain them that is your number one job as the ceo of a recruitment business and um if you fail to do that then number one you're not going to attract the best people because yeah. that's what people are looking for these days and number two is well, you're not going to retain them if they plateau and they feel like they're they're no longer progressing and and uh, and learning. And number three, how you can't scale a business if you're going to keep doing everything yourself. You have to develop people to take more and more uh, leadership roles within your within your firm, right? So that all comes down to L and D. And I think that's a really valid point to attract the best talent. You've got to showcase them. You're one of the best businesses out there. You've got to attract people who want to work for you. And by doing that is, is investing in LD. Going forward then, recruitment coach and obviously a Brazilian recruiter, what's what's up for this year? What are your, what's your focus? You said a million downloads for the podcast? Well, not maybe not this year, but that's... In the future. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what, what's the short-term plan for, for the Brazilian, Brazilian recruiter and the recruitment coach? Yeah, so... Um, 
In terms of the the, the podcast, it's um, we're going to level up our video production because right now we've just really concentrated on getting the audio really good and attracting really good quality guests. I think if you have really great guests, people who are generously sharing, you know, not just their successes but their mistakes and failures and what they've learned from them then you know ultimately the content is the most important piece and then the audio is really important for a podcast yeah. but the i guess the missing piece for us that we have set our sights on this year is really getting the video production to be super professional as well so you have that to look out for on the recently recruiter our our youtube videos like we really haven't really concentrated on it um yeah. so we're going to be focused on that this year and then in terms of the business like we're working right now with about 50 um, recruitment business owners from around the world, mostly in the UK and the US, a few in, in Europe, and um, a mixture of solo you know, preneurs and then companies that are scaling. And we want to double that and you know, uh, get up to 100 people in our, in our sort of uh, community of yeah. recruiting leaders. So quite a year ahead. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited. This is going to be an awesome year. So you should hit 250 podcasts by the end of the year, do you reckon? Um, well, over 200. We'll get over 200, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I um, was tempted to like produce two, two a week. Mm. Um, and my podcast manager, Rachel, was like, slow down, Mark. You it's know, a lot of work. Let's, um, <laughs> let's just be super consistent, get one out a week. Because yeah. actually, Rachel, what I didn't, I need to give Rachel credit for, she manages the podcast and does, like I get to do the fun part, which yeah, is sitting down yeah. with people who are interesting and having these yeah. uh, awesome conversations. I'm involved, obviously, in cho choosing who we're going to go after yeah. and invite to come on the show. Um, but she does everything else. We have like a 30-step, 38-step uh, process for uh, planning, producing, and promoting the podcast. Wow. Um, I might need to steal that from you. Well, I, you know, we've actually developed a, a whole course on how to... Uh, launch and grow a successful podcast. You're happy. Yeah. I'm welcome to share that with you guys if you like. Well, I'm, I'm uh, like you, you know, the front end of it, but the hard work is done by Sophia in the back end. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of time and effort goes into it. You know, even from our side, going back to kind of what we train or what we work with, obviously, our, our partners in the portfolio is where there's opportunity for growth and scale. You know, when you're looking at algorithms and kind of going back to your point on on video. Everybody knows with the algorithms, LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, is you've got to be consistent. I think you touched on it before, whether it's podcasts or any marketing strategy, and be consistent and evolve, learn from it and evolve it. I think video has obviously in the last five or so years, and, and even more so, you know, post COVID, become really important. But the time and effort that goes goes into that in the back end of the pre-production, you know, during production and post-production is, I think, oh. One a week is, yeah, a full-time job. So I think Rachel's probably right to, to or two a week, sorry, was uh, quite optimistic. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, we've helped four of our clients to launch their own podcast just in the last two months. About 20% of our clients have podcasts, um, probably because a lot of our clients found out about us through our podcast. Yeah. So they already kind of are, they listen to podcasts and they, they enjoy that medium, but um, we're we're big fans of it. Have you had any disasters? Oh, we've made so many. We've made every mistake it's possible to make, Tom. And I think um, it's a little bit like recruitment. There's so many things that can go wrong that are outside your control when you're trying to make placements and put, put deals together. And you just need to 
once you learn what those are, you anticipate them and try and put measures in place to prevent them. But uh, and that, has that led then to the thirty-eight steps of how to produce a podcast? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Every time we make a mistake, oh, there's another step yeah. <laughs> that goes into our uh, our pro- our process. So, yeah, brilliant, Mark. Hugely insightful. I think you know a lot. Again, going back to thought leadership, I think on various levels, L and D, podcast, strategy really fascinating and, and like we said earlier it's, it's been great chatting and me sitting here absorbing all the knowledge you've got the 38 steps that you've got to produce a podcast and everything else and i think really insightful and really look forward to hearing more about your podcasts and then the guests you've got on in the future thanks tom thanks to you and sophia for the opportunity anytime thanks Mark. thank you so much for listening to the resilient recruiter If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.